Welcome back to Moving Forward with Young Voices, our opportunity to hear from Gen Z and millennials about the issues that are important to them. And and you're going to see that uh, there's not this great disparity between what's weighing on their hearts and minds and older generations. Our next guest is Catherine Revelo. And uh, she wrote an opinion piece for the Providence Journal there in Rhode Island about the minimum wage. And it's a fascinating article, and it talks about... Uh, the debate that Rhode Island had uh, during the pandemic about should we or shouldn't we raise the minimum wage, and it mirrors the debate that we're having at a national level now. Hey, Catherine, are you calling in from Rhode Island now? I am, yes. Is your state still under lockdown? Or can you go to restaurants? Uh, are there uh, requirements uh, for businesses, like so many occupancy uh, percentages and things like that? Um, Yep, there are. We're actually just starting to roll back some of the requirements. But for most of the pandemic, restaurant capacity has been at 50 percent and uh, stores have had similar restrictions as well. And I want to start there because you're going to talk about the minimum wage. And, you know, in my opinion, a lot of the government policies, it's what it's what's causing the heartache, the hurt, the economic uh, lackluster growth. And it seems like they they impose all these rules which slow down economic growth, but then they expect the businesses to make up for their bad decisions. Um, but let's let's start with you and your analysis. Let's talk about Rhode Island. You guys had it pretty rough during the pandemic. There's a stat in your article that says one out of five Rhode Islanders lost their job because of the pandemic. Is that true? That is correct. And actually, two thirds of those job losses were in the restaurant and travel industry because Rhode Island is a heavily tourism dependent state. You know, we're known for our beaches. And what that meant was because of restrictions, because of lockdown, when the minimum wage went into effect in October, Uh, restaurants in particular had already taken a really hard hit and were ill-prepared to do with the sudden increased costs of labor that were foisted upon them because the minimum wage was raised by a dollar to $11.50 an hour in October. So in the middle of this pandemic, you have jobs that are being forced closed because of lockdowns and this abundance of caution that was sweeping the nation. So you have restaurants and other businesses losing business, losing customers, your beaches are shut down. Then the state legislature shows up and it maybe six months into this pandemic, they announce, hey, you know what? We're going to raise the minimum wage by a dollar. That seems contradictory. It seems foreign. What rationale did the state legislature give to impose this dollar an hour wage hike? Well, part of that rationale was, of course, the familiar argument that, you know, workers need a living wage and they particularly need a living wage during the pandemic when, you know, a lot of people lost their jobs. A lot of people were suffering with reduced incomes. But part of it also came because, you know, southern New England's kind of a strange place geographically. We have very small states. It's very easy to cross the border into Massachusetts and Connecticut. And Massachusetts and Connecticut actually had higher minimum wages than Rhode Island did. And that's one of the reasons that Rhode Island uh, raised its wage, which 
again, it's kind of an argument against the federal minimum wage. If states are already aware that they need to be competitive, already aware that they need to take steps to help their workers, even if those are maybe not the best economic policies, then the federal government really shouldn't be doing that and interfering with the ability of states to manage their own economies. So the state basically was saying for us to remain competitive, we have to raise the minimum wage. Otherwise, what? The, the, the individuals seeking uh, higher wages are going to, to take jobs outside of the state? Was that their logic? Basically, yeah. It's, you know, I myself live about 20 minutes away from the Connecticut border. So if I wanted to go work in Connecticut because I could get a better paying job there, it would absolutely be something that's doable. Why wouldn't the state take on this opportunity and say, you know, we have to lure in better paying jobs. We have to lure in uh, businesses that pay more. Why is it always this race for the bottom? Uh, unfortunately, um, you know, Rhode Island is a very progressive state. We have a very heavily managed uh, state economy, and they've become increasingly dependent on using the government as a tool to try to solve what it sees as inefficiencies in the market. And this has been characteristic of our response, our governor's response throughout the pandemic. We've had heavy-handed lockdowns. We've had school closures that were um, implemented at the will of the governor. And when towns wanted to um, to um, disagree with her decision. They were chastised and she even helped them uh, sue their school districts. And so there's a really heavy reliance on the government in pretty much all areas of the economy. And I think that's ultimately what helped explains this decision. Wow. Stunning. Absolutely stunning. So the state, they passed this minimum wage hike in October. What happens yeah, so actually the state had been recovering slightly from the initial lockdown. Then the minimum wage goes into effect in October. Then November, the next jobs numbers that the state reports come out and unemployment goes up from six and a half percent to seven percent. And 900 of those jobs lost were actually in the restaurant industry, a number that was three times as big as the job losses in the industry that experienced the next biggest losses. And um, this actually came at a time when the governor had created a grant program for restaurants to help them get through the pandemic. So they should have had a cash infusion coming in, um, and that should have helped them maintain their operating costs. And that, I think, really helps drive home the effect of the minimum wage hike and how devastating it is to jobs is they, in between, in that short month, um, their operating costs went up and their labor costs went up and, you know, they just couldn't afford to maintain certain jobs. Catherine, is this a greater good argument? And, and what I mean by that is, uh, you know, when all these lockdowns and even in California, when they have the stay at home order, the argument is basically, yes, we know that depressions are going up. Yes, we know more people are committing suicide. Yes, we know more young people are suffering. But the greater good is more people are protected. Really, that's the argument they're making. They're, they're breaking out their version of the scales of justice and saying, you know what? Teenage suicides are going to go up, but we're going to protect more people. And, and, and it sounds callous, but that's the argument they're making. When it comes to the minimum wage, is there a similar argument where those pushing for the higher minimum wage are saying, look, we know the least competitive among us 
those with the least job skills, they're going to lose their jobs. They're going to end up on state assistance or worse. But it's okay because we're producing a higher living wage. Is that the argument that they are making that there is a greater good or are they pretending that there is no downside? I think it's an argument for the greater good, and it's an attempt to try to force the economy to move to a spot where it is producing higher payer jobs, jobs that are more in line with what regulators and other government officials want to see. And I think there is a certain amount of callousness in that, in, you know, looking someone in the face and telling them that, yes, the job that you have that helps you put food on the table to feed your family, we don't like it. We don't think it provides for you, and we really don't care what you think about your own welfare. Wow, we saw that same mentality in California with AB5, right? That there are people saying, I want to drive for Uber, I want to drive for Lyft, I want to be an independent contractor. And the political elites just said, it doesn't matter. We think you should be full-time employees, resulting in massive economic hurt. Hey, Catherine, I thought that was a fascinating article. Please take the time, visit Providence Journal, check out Catherine's article. Catherine, where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, my handle is subversive underscore pub. Okay. Catherine, thank you. We'll have you back on. You're listening to Moving Forward with Young Voices right here on the Fed by Ravens Media Network. You can go to fedbyravensmedia.com, listen to all the podcasts of the Moving Forward with Young Voices. We'll be back right after this break. <laughs> 